Amen. Please be seated. And please turn in your Bibles to Psalm 27. Psalm 27. And we're going to focus on verses 7 through 10 this evening. This is a psalm about who God is for us in the midst of our enemies that we face. God is our light and our salvation. Therefore, whom shall we fear? And so on, as the psalm begins. And we've been working our way through this psalm here and there on Sunday evenings. I intend to finish it next Sunday evening, Lord willing. Uh, So we'll cover verses seven through 10 tonight and then verses 11 through 14 next time. And then we will return to the series on 1 John that Tim has been leading us through so well. Uh, But in the verses before us this evening, David talks about seeking God in the midst of his enemies. Seeking and finding God is the, the title of the sermon. And one reason I think this is important for us to get a hold of is because when you think about it, God is the only one we can seek who we can be sure we will find. And also God is the only one we can seek who we can be sure will never forsake us. God is the only one we can seek who we can be sure we will find and who we can be sure will never forsake us because that's what he promises us. And it's a wonderful promise. And we'll think about that some more as we look at these verses together. But let's pray first and then we'll begin. God, we thank you for these wonderful verses you've given us in Psalm 27 about seeking you and finding you through prayer, through the means of grace you've given us. We thank you that even in the midst of our enemies, we can cry aloud to you and we can know that you will hear us and be gracious to us and will answer us and help us. We thank you that we can seek you and know that we will find you and that you will never forsake us as you have promised. Help us now as we come to your word, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 27, reading verses seven through 10. These are the words of God given to us through David. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger, O you who have been my help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Three points this evening. You can see them there in your sermon notes. First, God hearing and responding in verse seven. Then David hearing and responding in verses eight and nine. And finally, God never forsaking in verse 10. Verse seven is about God hearing and responding. God hearing David and responding to David. You can see that David asks the Lord to do three things in that verse. To hear him when he cries aloud to be gracious to him and to answer him. 
all things we can ask the Lord to do as well, of course. But first, David says, hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. He cries aloud to God in prayer. Not because God is far away and David has to pray loudly in order for God to hear him. No, he cries aloud to God because he desperately needs God. He needs God's help in the midst of the enemies he's facing. That's why he cries aloud to him. So kids, if you were on a hike, I'm sure you've been on a hike before. If you were on a hike and you were climbing some rocks and all of a sudden you started to lose your grip on some of the rocks and you started to slide down those rocks, what would you do? Well, you would not probably just mumble under your breath, can somebody please help me here? No, you would cry aloud. You would, you would shout out, help, somebody help, I'm falling, come quickly. You would cry aloud because you were in desperate need of help. That's what David is doing here. That's what we can do too as God's people. We can cry aloud to God in our time of need. And it's when we recognize our desperate need for help that we will cry aloud to God instead of mumbling something to him under our breath. So when you're in the midst of your enemies, cry aloud to God. When you're facing an especially difficult temptation, cry aloud to him. When you've just gotten some really bad news, some sad news, cry aloud to the Lord. When you feel like you're drowning in a bottomless ocean of responsibilities, cry aloud to God. When you're slipping and falling, cry aloud to him and he will hear you and will help you. David says, hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. God hears us when we pray to him. It's good to be reminded of that. Our prayers don't just hit the ceiling and bounce back down to us or just evaporate into the atmosphere. No, they reach the ear of the God who hears. He hears us when we pray to him. He hears us every time we pray to him. And his hearing is perfect. He hears our words and he hears our hearts. He never misunderstands us. In fact, he understands us better than we understand ourselves. He understands us even when we don't understand ourselves. Others may not understand us, but he does. Others may not hear us, but he does. And ultimately, that's all that matters, isn't it? Charles Spurgeon once said, Pharisees care not a fig for the Lord's hearing them so long as they are heard of men or charm their own pride with their sounding devotions. But with a genuine man, the Lord's ear is everything. And we have the Lord's ear. He hears us when we cry aloud to him. So David asks the Lord to hear him when he cries aloud. Secondly, in verse seven, he asks the Lord to be gracious to him. When we pray to God, like David, we ask for things on the basis of God's grace, not our works. Of course, we don't say to God, give me what you owe me, God. Give me what I deserve. Give me what I've earned. Because we know that God is not like a vending machine. We don't put in our dollar of prayer and then he owes us a Snickers bar. 
Prayer doesn't put God in our debt. We should have no sense of entitlement when we come to God in prayer. No sense that God owes us because it's all of grace, isn't it? When we pray to God, we pray on the basis of his grace, not on the basis of our works. We plead his mercy and the merits of his son. We don't point to ourselves and our works. We point to him and his grace. We don't say, be fair to me, Lord, and give me what I've earned by my praying. We say, be gracious, gracious to me, Lord. Thirdly, David asked the Lord to answer him. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. God always answers our prayers. Sometimes it's with a yes. Sometimes it's with a no. Sometimes it's with a wait. But he always answers. And he doesn't answer us audibly by his voice. We don't hear a thunderous yes or no from the heavens. He doesn't answer us by his voice. He answers us by his providence. He answers us by helping us in our time of need. He answers us by providing for us in some way, whether ordinary or extraordinary. He answers us by healing us. He answers us by giving us wisdom when we lack it and ask for it. He answers us by giving us courage. He answers us by giving us hope. He doesn't always answer us in the way we expect or within the time frame we expect him to, but that doesn't mean he doesn't answer us. He answers us in his way and in his time, which are always perfect and perfectly trustworthy. God hears us and is gracious to us and answers us. And why is that the case or how is that the case? Well, of course, it's not because of us. It's because of Jesus. God hears us because of the intercession of his son. God is gracious to us because he already poured out all the wrath we deserve on his son. God answers us because our prayers are perfected by his son. So when we read verse seven, hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me, we should remember that the reason God does those things for us is because of Jesus. God doesn't hear us and respond to us because of who we are and what we've done. He hears us and responds to us because of who Christ is and what Christ has done for us. And therefore, because of Christ, we can pray with confidence that God will hear us and will be gracious to us and will answer us. So, wonderful verse, verse seven. That's God's hearing and responding. Let's look now at David's hearing and responding. In verses eight and nine, is our second main point now, David hearing and responding. And here we'll note first what God says and then what David says. In terms of what God says, you can see at the beginning of verse eight, you have said, seek my face. David doesn't appear to be referring to a specific passage of scripture here. Rather, he seems to be referring to the sort of combined message of a number of passages of scripture where God calls his people and invites his people to seek him. 
this call, of course, this invitation still stands today, doesn't it? God calls us and invites us to seek him, to seek his face. Psalm 105, verse four, we heard in our call to worship, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. To seek God's face means to seek God's presence. To seek fellowship with him, to seek communion with him, to pursue him, to run hard after him, to seek to know him more and to delight in him more, to seek to glorify and enjoy him more in our lives. And not so much to seek from him as to seek him. Not to seek the gifts, but to seek the giver. And how are we to seek God's face? Well, we are to seek him during our times in the word and in prayer each day. And that's the point of private worship, isn't it? It's not just to check a box so we don't fall behind in our Bible reading plan. It's not to put our dollar of prayer into the vending machine and see what we get. No, the point of private worship is to seek the Lord. Seek my face should be written on the cover of our Bibles, as it were. We are to seek the Lord also in corporate worship. Seek my face should be written on the doors of the sanctuary. Because that's what we're doing in here. That's what what we come together to do. We're seeking the Lord together. We're not here to just go through the motions of worship. We don't want to just be on autopilot. We want to seek God himself in all the means of grace that he's so graciously given to us. Like back up in verse four of our psalm where David writes, one thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. In corporate worship, we seek the Lord together. We're to seek the Lord also all throughout each day. God's call, seek my face, should always be before our eyes. Jonathan Edwards once wrote, rather memorably, Lord, stamp eternity on my eyeballs. Stamp eternity on my eyeballs. Well, seek my face should be stamped on our eyeballs. Or maybe on our contact lenses or glasses. So that we see everything through the lens of seeking the Lord. God says, seek my face. Let's write that on the cover of our Bibles and on the doors of the sanctuary and let's stamp it on our eyeballs. God wants us to seek him. Not because he needs us, but because we need him. And because he knows that only in him will we find true joy and lasting satisfaction. And when we find joy and satisfaction in him, we give him glory. God is not distant from us. He is not impersonal. He is not unknowable. He has revealed himself to us in his word. And he has made a way for us to know him through the gospel. And he promises that if we seek him, we will find him. Jeremiah 29, verses 13 and 14. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. 
I will be found by you, declares the Lord. So that's what God says in verse 8. You have said, seek my face. Let's note now what David says in response. He says two things, really. The first is in the second half of verse 8. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. God says, seek my face, and David's heart echoes back to God, your face, Lord, do I seek. Children, you know what an echo is. Like when you're in an empty room or maybe a cave, if you've been in a cave before, or around some big rocks on a hike, and you clap your hands or you call out, and then you hear the sound echo back to you. Or sometimes you might clap your hands or call out and the sound doesn't echo back to you. Well, when God says to us in his word, seek my face, we want our hearts to echo back to him, your face, Lord, do I seek. We don't want God to say, seek my face, but then for there to be no response, no echo. We want to say, your face, Lord, do I seek. Psalm 63, verses one and two is what we should aim for. O God, you are my God, earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. That's how we want to seek the Lord. We want to seek the Lord earnestly. We want to seek him like we seek water in the desert, the hot and dry and weary land. Sadly, though, we all know that we seek many other things instead of God. It's not wrong to seek things. We, we are made to be seekers in a sense, but when we seek other things instead of or in place of God himself, we go wrong. We seek the face of man instead of the face of God We seek the approval and the acceptance of other people. We seek comfort and ease. We seek pleasure. We seek fame or money or possessions. We seek fun experiences. We seek control. We seek to get everything done. We seek advancement. We seek many things instead of God. But only God can satisfy our souls. As Augustine famously put it, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. You have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. So that's the first way David responds to God. He says, my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Then secondly, you can see there, he responds with a string of knots In verse nine, hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger, O you who have been my help. Cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. Hide not your face from me, he says. You have told me to seek your face and I have answered you that I will seek your face. So do not hide your face from me, is what David's saying. Psalm 69, verse 17. Hide not your face from your servant, for I am in distress. Make haste to answer me. Psalm 102, verse 2. 
Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. Or Psalm 143, verse 7. Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like those who go down to the pit. We all know from experience that sometimes God does hide his face from us, as it were, for a time. He may withdraw the light of his countenance, as it says in the Westminster Confession. Not that he forsakes us or abandons us or leaves us altogether, but he may hide his face so that we will seek it more. And when that happens, the solution is not for us to withdraw, to give up seeking the Lord, but to lean in and seek him all the more and to seek him until we find him. David then says, turn not your servant away in anger, O you who have been my help. And as we read that, we instinctively know that we deserve for God to turn us away in anger. God has every right to be angry at us, every right to turn us away. But he has been our help. No one else can give us the help we need but him. So we plead with David, don't turn me away. Don't turn me away from my only ultimate source of help. Cast me not off, he says. Like in Psalm 51, cast me not away from your presence. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation, he says. Hide not, turn not, cast not, forsake not. Notice how David focuses on God in these prayers, not on his circumstances. Not that it's wrong to pray about our circumstances, but David's priority here is his relationship with God, his fellowship with God, his experience of God's presence and nearness and favor is what he focuses on. If we have that, then we have everything. If we have God's presence and nearness and favor, we have everything we truly need. We could have everything this world has to offer, but if we don't have God, we won't be happy. What is most important, what should be our highest priority in life is that we have a close relationship with God, close fellowship with the God of our salvation. And that's what David prays for. Well, we've seen God hearing and responding in verse seven, then David hearing and responding in verses eight and nine. Let's look finally at God never forsaking in verse 10. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. And the sense is probably, even though my father and my mother may forsake me, the Lord will take me in. It's similar to Isaiah 49, verse 15. Can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should no longer have compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. God will never forget us. God will never forsake us. Matthew Henry wrote, 
when my father and my mother forsake me, the nearest and dearest friends I have in the world, from whom I may expect most relief and with most reason when they die or are at a distance from me or are disabled to help me in time of need or are unkind to me or unmindful of me and will not help me, when I am as helpless as ever a poor orphan was that was left fatherless and motherless, then I know the Lord will take me up as a poor wandering sheep is taken up and saved from perishing. Fathers and mothers aren't supposed to forsake their children, we know. They sometimes do, sadly, in this fallen world that we live in. But even if that were to happen, as unthinkable as that is, even then the Lord will take us in. Even then the Lord will never forsake us. Isaiah 40 verse 11 says, He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. See, our Heavenly Father is a perfect Father and He will never abandon His children. Our bridegroom is a faithful husband and He will never leave His wife. What did Jesus say at the end of the Gospel of Matthew? And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Hebrews 13 verse five says to keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. David himself says in Psalm 37 verse 25, I have been young and now am old yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. God will never forsake us. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, as we sing, help of the helpless will abide with me. Like I said at the beginning, God is the only one we can seek who we can be sure we will find and who we can be sure will never forsake us. He's the only one we can seek who we can be sure we will find. Everything else, we can't really be sure of finding, can we? If we seek the acceptance and approval of others, we're never quite sure if we've found it. If we seek money or advancement or possessions, we're never quite sure if we've arrived. There's always more to be had and we're dissatisfied with what we have. If we seek comfort and ease, we can never quite rid ourselves of that sense of restlessness. And the comfort and ease we sought isn't what we thought it would be. It's only when we seek God that we can be sure we will find what we're looking for. Seek and you shall find. When we seek God, we will find him. Again, Jeremiah 29, 13, and 14. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. God is also the only one we can seek who we can be sure will never forsake us. Everything else we seek will forsake us in the end in one way or another. 
No idol can keep the promises it makes to us. Like a mirage in the desert, as soon as we think we've arrived, it just disappears before our eyes. No created good, no human relationship can give us what only God can give us. God will never leave us. God will never disappoint us. God will never die. Habakkuk chapter three, verses 17 and 18. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Seek the Lord. Seek his face. Seek his presence continually. Seek him in his word. Seek him in prayer each day. Seek him in worship together. Seek him as you go about your daily life. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Seek him and you will find him. Let's pray together. God, we pray that you would give us hearts that respond like David in this psalm. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Cause us to seek you above all else in everything we do. Help us know what that looks like in our daily lives. Cause us to seek you in worship, in corporate worship and in private worship. And let us find you. Let us find our rest in you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.